where you can do all those things and so much more. Just grab a seat in the chair or the floor. Sit back, relax, recline. While she drops another casual line. You're tuned in to Casually Molly with Molly and Bergie. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Casually Molly podcast. I am your host, Molly Ambergie, based here in St. Louis. We get to interview all different types of entertainers each week. And today we get to entertain ourselves with the beautiful, wonderful, and very talented Kristen Adele Calhoun. Give it up. There we go. Kristen, I do that every episode. I'm like, give it, I need like a sound cue. I'll have to drop one in at some point. But how are you? <laughs> I'm doing so well. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. And thank you for that warm welcome. Uh, absolutely. Like I said, I am truly honored that especially, why don't you tell our listeners, because I know you told me, but why don't you tell our listeners actually where you are located right now? Because it sounds amazing. <laughs> Yeah, I'm currently in a small town in Mexico, about four hours south of Cancun, about 45 minutes north of the Belizean border. Um, yeah, and I've been here in Mexico since October. And before that, I was in, in Ghana in West Africa. Okay, lovely. So yeah. you have been making your way around the world here. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit, just a little bit. Yeah. That sounds lovely. Um, just to give a background of how I met Kristen, and then we're going to get right into all the amazing... I told her, that's the one thing about this podcast and why I love interviewing people, is that there are so many people I get to meet that are, I'm very fortunate to meet, like you, who are just so talented, have such a resume. I'm like, what do you not do? So <laughs> I, uh, I hope I give you justice today by representing all of your achievements and your talents. Right. Oh, well, I appreciate your patience on that. Uh, but how I met Kristen is I had the lovely opportunity of working with Kristen when she was here for uh, Canfield Drive, which was at the St. Louis Black Repertory Theater. Um, you were just wonderful. I remember we did it in, was it at the Del Mar location for it? Why don't you tell us a little bit about that process? Yeah, so Canfield was uh, co-written by myself and Michael Thomas Walker. And we spent about four years working on that play. And a, a really important part of the process, after we collected the interviews in St. Louis and around the US, because it's an interview-based play, um, was the development that we did in St. Louis. So we were fortunate um, that the Black Rep opened their doors to us, helped us develop that play, co-commission that play. And the part of the process that we did with you was I think one of the first times we really heard a solid draft out loud yes. and to get feedback from the people on the ground who had lived through what the play is about, the play is about Ferguson and the, the death of Mike Brown. Um, it was priceless to, to be able to get that particular feedback. Um, so yeah, that, that's where our journey began. That's where we met. Yes. And I keep seeing you do again. You've done many achievements. Um, I know you're a playwright, but you're also an actress as well, because the I think I messaged you once and you were so sweet about it. I was sitting on my couch and I'm watching Orange is the New Black on Netflix. And all of a sudden there's Kristen just on my screen. I was like, so I messaged her. I was like, hey, girl, long time no see. Love your work. Also, <laughs> were you in Orange is the New Black? And you were so humble about it. You were like, oh, yeah, that's me. Hope you're doing great. I was like, 
I mean, one of us is on Netflix and one of us is watching it. So uh, we'll just see who's doing great. But uh, yeah, you're just very multi-talented. What was that experience like being on Orange is the oh, New Black? It was so much fun. I was right out of grad school. I went to grad school at Rutgers in New Jersey. And that was one of my first gigs after I graduated. And what was neat about that is Danielle Brooks and I actually had the same agent for voiceover. Danielle Brooks plays Tasty on the show and is incredibly talented. Is like a producer and did The Color Purple and is doing a film about Mahalia Jackson now. But at oh. the time we had both just graduated from school. And so we used to see each other at the same voiceover auditions all the time. And somehow I knew that she was on the show as like a series regular, but this was before Netflix was really making content. Like I don't even think House of Cards had come out yet. So no, none of us knew that this was gonna be the hit that it was. Like we didn't really even understand what streaming shows were at that point, or like that they had the success to be these global phenomenons. So when I booked my little part on the show, I messaged her and was like, hey, I'm gonna, I think you're on the show. I'm gonna be on your show. And she was like, I'm going to come to be on set with you because she had already been on set. She knew everybody. And she was like, I'm just going to, I'm not shooting that day. I'm just going to be on set with you so that you're comfortable. And it was one of the nicest things anybody has ever done for me. She was like taking pictures like she was my mom, you know? Oh, like, that's so like, cute. Like that is so cute. Video, it was adorable sitting in Video Village, like taking little, sneaking little videos of the playback for me and just, you know, making sure I was good. Cause it can be hard to enter into a show when you're just there for like a day or something like that. But she went out of her way to make sure that I felt great. And it was a lot of fun. I had a, Haitian accent that I had to put together in you no did. time. You did, yes. Right. <laughs> I remember that now. Yes, I was like, and she can do accents? Like, what? Right. That's fantastic. So you, you fooled me. me. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. it was cool. It was awesome. And the, the folks that I did the scene with were really like these veteran actors who I had seen on stuff my whole life. And they were so gracious and generous. And it was amazing. It's amazing. Well, yeah. Absolutely. Well, I just love that it, you know, you film and theater, you know, be acting, even though it kind of, it comes from the same place. They are both very different avenues. Do you feel like there's one that you lead to or lead to that you lean into a little bit more? Or do you just kind of feel a little bit flexible with both? Yeah. I mean, I love both for different reasons. I love the community that you form when you do a play, you know, because you're with, you're really with people in the trenches for weeks before an audience even gets to see it. And so there's nothing that really can replace that. And there's nothing that can replace the experience of being in front of a live audience, you know, and then TV is so special because the reach is so wide, you know, it's like, I did that thing way back in 20, whenever, but you were able to watch it more recently than that. And like my friends in Ghana can watch it or my friends here in Mexico can watch it. Um, so that, that feels really special. Yes. Um, I love the way that it's able to connect us through like time and place. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, oh, that yeah. is a really beautiful, and that's like one thing I always have to give to you as well. You have a really beautiful way of always phrasing things. Like, I just remember I was like, no wonder, oh, you're so welcome. Like, that's why I was like, no wonder she has like all this writing. And I was like, again, always very touched by your work. Um, you've written a few plays actually, haven't you? Yeah. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah. So, I mean, I've been doing a lot of writing since Canfield and really trying to figure out what it is I want to say, like what my specific voice is in the theater. 
Um, and I'm currently working on a project about my maternal line. I'm a playwriting resident at the National Black Theater up in Harlem, Dr. Barbara Ann Tears National Black Theater. And um, yeah, I'm working on this, this, what feels like an epic project about my maternal line where there's one play per woman looking seven generations back. So all the way back to my ancestor who was born in 1819. And then it comes up to me, well, my mother, myself, and then I'm imagining three generations forward. I don't have children yet, but I'm imagining a play for my daughters, my granddaughters, and my great-granddaughters for a total of 10 plays. And really the ones that are about women who have already lived reimagining moments in their lives that maybe weren't victories as victories in the name of healing, in the name of healing our through line. So that's my big, 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 big work. And then I have some other projects that I'm excited about, all about Black women, all, almost all set in Texas, where I'm from. Yeah, um, there you go. Yeah, so yeah, that's what I'm up to right now. That's a really beautiful. So, we, you know, you said you just said this, actually, and you taught me a term now. So now I feel like really smart and intellectual. <laughs> you were yes. saying the, uh, the play was on like an interview spaces for Canfield Drive. And that's how you put that together for something like that, where you're discussing like lineage of your family. Is that an mm -hmm. interview based as well and kind of stories from word of mouth? How do you put something like that together? Yeah, that's such a good question. I mean, it's a lot of talking with elders. Um, so the, at the end of 2019, I took three months and spent time in the South, in Texas, Alabama, oh, wow. Georgia, and just like sat with my family, sat with my elders, went to the cemetery, you know, for those who were past, um, talked with those who were still living, read a lot of obituaries, read a lot of like family documentation um to gather these stories and then also i just do a lot of sitting i'll light a candle and i'll just sit and listen and i'll ask a question and i'll ask the ancestor who i'm writing about to come forth and be like okay what story do you want me to tell and how do you want me to tell it um and they generally do when i was in ghana i would do a lot of floating in the pool too and for some reason there was something about the water that would like act as a channel yeah um, and they would like whisper in my ear, like, this is a thing. Or I'd take a nap and it would come to me in a dream. So, oh, wow. I mean, it's, it's interview based, but in a whole different way. Cause it's like um, interdimensional. Interview. Yes. I yeah. love that there's like a spiritual connection to it. I'm somebody yeah. who feels like when, and this is going to sound really cheesy, but it's just the same thing like you talked about. Like anytime I'm on a beach and everybody's going to be like, oh gosh, but there's just something about like being connected with the earth like that. Yeah. You're just like, oh my God, yeah. I've, I feel so moved by that. So I totally understand mm -hmm. uh, where you're coming from with that. Um, what I'll yeah. ask you, you spoke about kind of your roots in Texas. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and how we went mm -hmm. from uh, Kristen in the beginning to the Kristen we see now here on this interview. Oh. <laughs> and like, which version of that story do you have? <laughs> and how much time do you have? I know, right? Um, <laughs> I told you, I, I saw your website. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to let her tell me what achievements she would like to highlight and see what she says. <laughs> I go from Kristen, little black girl in Oak Cliff, Texas, to Kristen in Bacalar, Mexico. You know, it's, it's a journey. Um, what do I want to say about that? Yeah, I feel like I was super fortunate to grow up in, a, in an amazing community of like a really nurturing community where I was surrounded by people 
who looked like me, who wanted to see me thrive, who were excellent in whatever they did, whether that was like teaching us or being the principal at the school or my doctor. Um, and it just gave me this foundation of like pride in who I am and where I come from. And I mean, I'm sure you know other people from Texas. Like we are very proud yes. <laughs> to be from Texas. Yes. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm very grateful. I'm grateful for my Texas upbringing that I was, I was raised in the city in Dallas, but my grandparents lived out in the country, my dad's parents. And so that we even had that balance that I was able to spend my summers on a working farm, like picking wow. okra and watermelon. And, yeah. Very cool. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Watching my grandpa, like kill a deer in the backyard, oh go fishing God. and like actually eat the fish that we just caught. And like, Wow. I'm I'm so grateful for that balance. As somebody who went on to live in Denver and then went on to live in New York, I'm very happy to have my like southern roots. Um, so yeah, I I left Texas in my early 20s, spent some time in Colorado, went to grad school in New Jersey at Rutgers, and then had a career or still have a career in acting and writing on the East Coast and now kind of all over the world. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the abridged version. The abridged version. <laughs> well, speaking of, well, I mean, again, you have a lot going on. So I understand where you're like, yeah. how long do we have? How much time? But uh, <laughs> speaking of the East Coast, I read on, I think it was on your Instagram. Are you, mm -hmm. are you a producer or a founder of the Interfest mm -hmm. NYC? Why don't you tell us yeah, a little bit about that? <laughs> So Interfest is a festival that we started, um, I co-produce it with some amazing folks that are all, I was going to say all based in New York City, but actually one of our co-producers is based in LA. Um, and it, we started at the Harlem School of the Arts. It's an arts and ideas festival that seeks to make the revolution irresistible. So. There's this incredible quote from Tony K. Bambara that is foundational for pretty much everything I create. And she says the role of the artist or the role of the writer is to make the revolution irresistible. So me and my buddies set out to create a festival that felt irresistible, you know, because so many festivals are just boring where you have like, <laughs> panels and yes. you talk and people Thank whatever. you, Kristen. Yes. <laughs> but we were like, what is a festival we want to go to? Like, what would get me out of my bed to, to attend this thing? Like, how do we make it sexy? You right. know, how do we actually make this interesting? So that's what we did. It kicks, we, we kicked off with a party. There were some panels, but hopefully they were interesting to people. Lots of performances. Um, Lots of food, lots Ooh. of free drinks, yeah. you know, and um, we did the New York version. And then we also did a Denver iteration in 2019. Okay. Yeah, 2019. Um, yeah, and I look forward to seeing what we're going to do next. I, so there's a New York team. There's a Denver team. They're both full of incredible artists, like some of my favorite humans in the world. And it's like one of my favorite things to do is to put that festival together whenever we get money to do it. Like right. we apply for grants and then w once we get a grant, 
to pull that thing off, it's always a good time. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I was going to say, you know, not to be like, a, use that cliche word of grind, but you you clearly have a consistent grind. And I know that yeah. because I was looking at your IMVD and you even touched HBO too, which is a hot oh, spot yeah. as well. <laughs> I was just like, it was so cool because it was like her breaking screen debut was on HBO. And now I know like all that, I mean, I don't, I have just, I mean, I'm a streaming service girl all the way but it's like everybody's like yeah I need that HBO password and I need this like why don't you tell a little bit about uh, your HBO experience <laughs> oh my goodness well I was 12 so it was you know like a little while ago <laughs> yeah. but that's and, so cool uh, yeah <laughs> how my mom even came across the notice for this film because I didn't have an agent or anything I don't know how my mom found out about this thing but they needed um extras for a miniseries they were doing called America's Dream. It was a three-part miniseries. Um, and the part that I was in was about a little boy in the 1930s or the 1940s who painted a picture of Christ, but he painted him as a black man. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to enter it to like the county art fair. And it was super oh, wow. controversial. Mm -hmm. And the principal of, of the school, played by Wesley Snipes, was like, I don't know if we should allow this in the art fair. Like, this might be a problem. And his wife was Jasmine Guy from Different World Fame. And my teacher was Vanessa Bell Calloway, who I think most people probably know from Coming to America. Um, yeah, and I played a kid in the classroom, like in the 1930s. And they gave wow. me like five ponytails going in every Aww. which direction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little school uniform. Oh, my god! And I got to be on set for like two or three days. It was my first time on a professional set. It was it was amazing. It was yeah. so amazing. Well, I was just saying, yeah. it seems like every project you seem to be a part of how you were saying Interfest, just even like that sweet anecdote from HBO, like you have like such a self-starting and I can see like how you said your mom, like my mom's very active in my life too. And it, that's how I got into dance and theater and all this stuff. So yeah. I totally get that. And it's great to be it, in such a nurturing environment like that. It's true. <laughs> yes. It's true. That was actually my mom that just texted me. I don't know if you heard that ping oh. in the computer. But, hey, um, mom. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Because last night there was a circus in town here and I was watching and I was like, I might join the circus. I might just join the circus in Mexico and that might just be my life. Hey, <laughs> well, we're like, in a pandemic right town. now. So right? like, <laughs> that might be my next move. That might be what you see on IG next. It's me <laughs> like doing, it has some really intense like puppetry with it was high tech i was like y'all are blowing my mind yeah yeah so that might be what i do next have you done any puppetry at all because i love puppetry so I, I think that's really cool that you got to see that <laughs> you're like no I, I don't i'm okay here we go so when i first graduated from undergrad i taught at this super tiny school in texas and I had those kids do a puppet show. And I remember like creating puppets with them and then also creating a whole puppet stage out of PVC pipes and fabric. 
Well, I just said when I, um, I've always been a fan of it just because I've watched, and this is again, like on America's Got Talent, you have all these people from like overseas, like from Sweden, and they do like all these beautiful, some of it is like shadows, like with just them dancing and doing all that. And then um, just with the puppets, like I can't believe that sometimes it's people's hands or people's bodies just like right. telling a story. I'm like, how do you even do that? I just, when I was at SLU at St. Louis University, I got to do my senior year there was a graduate from SLU that came in and she taught us Japanese theater and we got to use puppets and it's such a it's such a different thing when you're not physically using you but you're applying your whole personality to a figure like I, I just I blew my mind so I understand your feeling about the circus <laughs> it was they were using like a light box, a camera, these little birds on sticks. Mm -hmm. Man, it was intense. And then they had it projected onto a screen. Yeah. I, I wasn't ready for it. Yeah, no. But I was like, but now I want to do it. But Nothing Kristen I, can handle, so. <laughs> need to figure it out. <laughs> need to figure it out. I'm sure yeah. you can, though. So you said yeah. you you teach a lot. I know you talked about a little bit about teaching, but um, is that something yeah. I was about to say? You probably have a really nice hands-on approach with like passing on all of your knowledge to other people. Yeah, I mean, I love teaching, I miss teaching. I haven't had the chance to teach since 2019 because of the pandemic. Right. But, um, and that was actually at Michael Thomas Walker's university in Alabama, University of Montevallo. Okay. They brought me in to do a Afrofuturism uh, writing workshop, like playwriting for the wow. future, like how we, nice write the worlds that we want to see. Like, what does that mean in the theater? Um, so yeah, I love that space. I love being with people of all ages, figuring things out together, because I find like most of the people that I teach end up teaching me more than I teach them, you know? So oh. it's such a um, an exchange in that way. Yeah, I think that's a really, that is such a lovely, like refreshing thing to hear. Cause you know, you, you talk about with people all the time, like in this industry, a lot of times, you know, you hear a lot of egos, a lot of like horror stories, a lot of things, but it's so refreshing to talk to somebody like you, who's like, I just love working with everybody of all ages. It's so rewarding. Uh, do you have a story of like a, maybe one of, I mean, obviously Canfield Drive is probably one of your favorites with me, but <laughs> if there's yes. there a story, is there a story um, of a time or a project that you really enjoyed working on uh, that was a teachable moment, maybe not just for your students, but for yourself? Hmm. Teachable moment in the classroom in particular? Sure, wherever you, or even just, you know, whatever you perceive that to be. We'll take an artistic approach mm. to this question. Okay, I like that. Thank you uh, for busting that one open for me. Teachable moment. I mean, yeah, Canfield comes to mind because there was so much. I agree. That we, yeah, there was mm -hmm. so much that we learned there. Um, being that Michael and I, Michael's from Alabama, I'm from Texas. And the play is very much about uh, Ferguson. It's, it's about all of the US, but it's really grounded by this story that's very specific to this place. And so we had to learn in real time what it means to enter a space with respect. Um, and I think we, because of how he and I were both raised, we have good home training. So, you know, there were some like basic manners that we had but we learned a lot about what it means to center those 
who are most impacted by something and really to follow the leadership of folks that are most impacted by the story that you're telling and how to take a back seat. Um, yeah, that's what's coming to mind right now. Yeah, I was about to say too, you know, you guys did partner on that project. How was it like working with such a good friend of yours on such an important um, story and project such as Canfield Drive? It was hard. It was hard. Our friendship almost didn't survive. I'm very wow. happy to say Michael Walker is still my friend today. Yeah, Michael. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but, That's very I sweet. Mean, it's very hard work because you're telling, I mean, we were telling um, a story that for some reason was so polarizing in a lot of ways. And Michael and I, for all the things we have in common, we're also very different. He's a straight white man from Alabama. Um, and I am none of those things, you know? <laughs> so it's like... <laughs> um, I just love you. Just the way you phrase so, things is so good. I love it. Yes, we, go ahead though. We, we wrestled with so much, so much. and there were times that both of us really wanted to walk away, oh, wow. but we couldn't because we had been um, entrusted with a grant from the National Performance Network with uh, support from the St. Louis Black Rep right. and 651 Arts. And I was like, these institutions have trusted us to steward this story, so we're not gonna quit, even though I can't stand you right now or you can't stand me right now, we, we stuck with it. Um, in a way that I think is actually really reflected in the play. Um, and in a way that I hope is inspiring to people to not give up on folks. We have a culture where we give up on people too easily. But then on the flip side of that, I'm like, but sometimes you, you do have to walk away when folks right. aren't willing to change. Um, but yeah, it was hard work. It was very, very, very hard work. Um, I got cancer in the middle of it. Michael, yes, yes. What? Oh yeah, my in God. 2016, I was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And we actually found that there were a lot of young people um, who came out of activism in Ferguson, specifically young women, young black women, who had all sorts of diagnoses like cancer or reproductive issues. Um, so that was a thing, like half the time, like half the interviews we did, I was going through chemo. I'm in St. Louis, like completely bald. Um, and Michael had a baby or his wife had a baby um, in the middle of the process. So we went through like some real life things mm -hmm. working on this show, but, um, but we did it. Yeah. We did it. And I'm, and I'm glad we stuck with it. And I'm Absolutely. glad to, that we can say that we're like still friends and still family. Yeah. And we have this, this project that hopefully will stand the test of time. Yeah. Well, that's what we were yeah. kind of talking about before we started recording. And I know we like laughing kids, we know each other and stuff like that. But, you know, I really respect the project. I was so excited to even be a part of it. Why I highlight it so much is it was one of my, if the first project I worked back, like I literally moved to St. Louis and then three days later, I'm in a room <laughs> wow. oh. on Del Mar Avenue in loop here in St. Louis. I don't know Kristen. Mm -hmm. I don't know Michael. I knew the people, some of the people that were there, some people I didn't know. I knew Ron Himes because I was an intern at the Black Rep for uh, my senior year for a semester. Uh, but that's what I loved about it was it was something 
that I had never experienced, how you said like an interview-based play. And what's Mm -hmm. kind of great about that is I feel like in your writing, you really documented history. Mm -hmm. And it's what we were kind of touching on a little bit earlier before we started recording was you're like, Canfield Drive still lives on. So it's like you kind of, you know, that's where that documentation comes in. So where, I guess in your opinion, where do you see the project maybe going in the future? Mm, Well, thank you for that question. And I love that that was like your entree back into the art scene in St. Louis. That's Mm -hmm. so beautiful. Yeah. Um, And I didn't know you had been an intern at the Black Rep. That's really cool too. Yes. But to answer your question, the show, since it was done at the Black Rep and then subsequently at the National Black Theater Festival in Winston-Salem, has had some university productions, including Webster University there in St. Louis. Um, It was a reading of it was done by Georgia State and another full production was done by Bristol Community College, which is up in New England. And I imagine that more universities will do it. I imagine that more regional theaters will do it. I'm curious to see if it will have a life abroad. It, to me, feels like such an American story, but the more I travel, the more I discover that sadly, it um, these things happen all over the globe. So yeah, I would love to see more people telling that story and keeping Mike Brown's name alive and really wrestling with the questions of the play. like what will it take for America to live up to its ideals of liberty and justice for all? Like, we know we're not there now. And so what do we have in in the play hopes to show how we get to, um, how we get to the moment that we're currently living in. But I hope it inspires the people, it inspires people to think about what do we do next? How do we create the world that we actually say that we want? How do we get there? So... Yeah. That's my big hope for that play. Yeah, I think that's really, again, you always phrase things so beautifully, but that is one thing that I took from that experience is I was like, well, what do I do next? Like, what do I, as Molly Ambergie, like do to pay it forward? And I chuckle because, you know, it's such a, sometimes I think that sometimes that like, it can be an overwhelming question, but if you really just take things step by step as to like what you can do for your community. And I feel like that's what you do between your writing, your acting. And I'm sure like there's young girls, even me, even though I'm 30, I still look up to you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still a young child. I consider myself a student of Kristen Adele Calhoun. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, there are women who are like, you that maybe you know they even if they had farm roots in texas or anything you know what maybe advice would you give someone who wants to you know maybe they're listening this interview or they have an appreciation for it you know what advice would you maybe pass on i always ask this question at the end about like if they want to be a playwright how would how would they go about it or what's just kind of your thought process on that Ooh, being a student of life (laughs) yeah student of life wow Uh, Okay, the thing that's coming up for some reason, um, I think so many of us, like you said, can feel overwhelmed by this question of what do I do or how do I make a difference? How do I make a change when the problems of the world seem so massive and so old? But I think my 
the advice I'd like to offer is that um, it's actually a quote from Grace Lee Boggs, who um, is now an ancestor, but incredible Asian American woman who was full of wisdom. Um, and she said to transform the world, transform yourself. And so that's my advice for people that whatever you want to see different in the world, um, start that with you. So if you want to see more kindness, compassion in the world, be more kind and compassionate to yourself, be more loving towards yourself. And that will begin to create these ripples, the butterfly effect. And we'll see, I mean, just imagine if everybody was more kind to themselves, like what a difference that would make. And then once you know how to love yourself, then you can truly love another person. And then that love just spreads and spreads. So yes, that's the advice that's coming up for me. I, that again, I'm, everybody that's listening to this is going to be like, if she says that was beautifully phrased one more time, but it really was because that is exactly how I feel. I'm like, oh my gosh, I needed that. Oh, I also got some lipstick on my teeth. Of course, for <laughs> listening to this beautiful advice. Uh, <laughs> so Kristen, what do you have coming up? Is there, I know that you're, you know, living your best life now are the people, I think you said there's like five other people that are in the house with you? Are they also people in the arts as well? Are they friends, family? What's happening? Mm. <laughs> well, there's people who live downstairs. I have a, oh. a good friend who lives downstairs, um, but I rent the whole top floor and I know the people in the building, but very cool. Um, yeah. Will, who I know, he's an artist, he's a musician. And then the other two folks I don't know as well. It's an Airbnb. So people come and go. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. What's, yeah. what, where, uh, so how long do you think you'll be where you're at right now? What's next for you? Are you going to another yeah. lovely country? <laughs> yeah, so I'm actually planning to go back to Ghana. Um, I recently found out I got a residency with the Library of Africa and the African diaspora in connection with um, a cultural institution in Northern Ghana called SCCA in Tamale. Um, so they're doing a writing residency. It's their first one. And I'm in the first cohort of writers who are from all over Africa and the diaspora. And I'm so excited about that. So I'm planning to go back to the continent in mid-May. The residency's in June. And then one of my dear friends is in Tanzania. So I want to visit her. Um, yeah, those are my plans at the moment. That's but I wonderful. miss Ghana. So I have actually never been to Ghana. Is there anything other than all the beautiful and wonderful things you mentioned? What's like one of your favorite anecdotes or uh, qualities about Ghana? I love the way Ghana smells. Like when, the first time I got off the plane, I was like, oh my goodness, this smells just like my grandparents' farm because people burn a lot of brush there. There's not like, oh. you know, really an organized system of like uh, waste removal or like trash trucks or anything like that. So people will burn leaves and stuff in their yard. And I love that smell so much. It reminds me of home. Um, so that's the first thing that comes to mind. I mean, I just love being surrounded by black people. I love the peace I feel in my bones when I'm there. I just have a sense of, of calm in my DNA. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's like my like my whole being on a cellular level is able to breathe and feel free in ways that I don't necessarily in the U.S. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Yeah. That has actually been like one of my dreams. I've been to a lot of places in the world. I've been very fortunate, 
but mm-hmm. like being in that area would probably be a goal of mine. So we'll talk soon. Everybody should visit. Everybody should visit West Africa. It's mm-hmm. oh, it's so rich with history. The people are generally welcoming. Um, it's great. The food is good. The fashion mm-hmm. is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The fashion always blows my mind, but is there a special, I know like earlier we talked about food, I like lit up. So, (laughs) obviously, uh, but is there a, like a special, like not cuisine, I'm using the wrong word, but is there like a special like plate of food or just a special meal that is well known there that you would recommend? Oh, for sure. A couple come to mind. So a lot of West African dishes serve like, I guess what I would call like a ball of dough on the side and you use the dough to eat the food instead of using like a fork or something like that. So you wash your hands and you pinch a piece of the dough and then you pick up the food. And that dough is called different things depending on where it's made and what the ingredients are. But in Ghana, they have one called banku and it's, I wanna say cassava mixed with Ooh, now, now you done got me to lying. But I think it's cassava and corn, like fermented okay. corn. Some guy named is going to hear this and be like, that girl, she got this all messed up. <laughs> it's right. Banku. I asked the question. You can blame me. <laughs> okay. But banku and fish? Oh, my goodness. They serve like a whole fish that they can, they'll grill or fry with like fresh onion and tomato and cucumber and like a hot pepper sauce. It's so good. And my second favorite, or maybe my tie for favorite, is a dish called Red Red, which is basically like black eyed peas served with plantain. Oh, it's so delicious. It's so simple and so yummy. Oh my God. It sounds lovely. Well, I can't wait to go back to my kitchen. I'm going to like Google this up (laughs) in my loft. I'm going to be like, I'm not in West Africa right now, but I can just pretend for a minute. That's right. You can at least look at the picture. Yes, that's right. I'll just blow it up. I'll like, you know, how everybody like in the pandemic, like here has been like, oh, you know, I'm just like blowing up a movie in my backyard. I'm just going to blow up West Africa (laughs) and I'll be like, I'm there, baby. Don't worry about it. (laughs) I love that. Oh, well, this has been lovely chatting with you. Um, Is there anything else? Oh, thank you very much. Is there anything Mm -hmm. like social media wise that you like us to follow you on or anything that we should project wise uh, be in the know about in the upcoming future? Yeah, I mean, follow me on Instagram. I would love that. Um, It's my full name, Chris Nadell Calhoun. And anything that you should know about No, I think we've talked about it. We talked about my project coming up with the National Black Theater. Um, Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing on the horizon in terms of forthcoming productions. Mm -hmm. And so the the pandemic will let us know when it will be possible for that to actually be produced. Right. Um, But yeah. Yes. Well, this was lovely. I hope that you come back to St. Louis soon and then we'll catch up in person. Otherwise, again. Yeah, absolutely. I'll just find you in Ghana, either one. We got St. Louis. Or Mexico. Mexico. I keep forgetting. I'm like, (laughs) or, you know, maybe even Texas. I'll go to the farm. Oh, that would be nice. Be nice. Go see grandma. Oh, hey, I have, and like, you know, my boyfriend, he tries to teach me how to fish, but I'm not very good. So maybe you can uh, give me some pointers. (laughs) Okay. So the next time we do an interview, it'll be live on location at the pond. (laughs) Yes, I love it. 
Well, I always ask, what are you going to casually do now, now that our interview is over? I'm going to casually go get some dinner. I I don't know what yet. I'm going to walk up the street and see what's popping. Yeah, absolutely. Get some dinner and you might join the circus on your way. We'll see what happens. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you very much. Remember, everybody, to casually subscribe to the Casually Molly podcast. Remember, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook. We have a website, thecasuallymollypodcast.com. Just give us a follow. And remember to follow Kristen for all of her lovely endeavors. As you can see, she's a great person. So she's going to do great things. So she already has. (laughs) All right, lady. Well, thank you so much. Have a lovely rest of your day. This has been such a Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, of course. Bye.